Have you forgotten the laws upon which Narnia was built? Do not cite the deep magic to me, witch. I was there when it was written. Hey, cassettes! And welcome back to another episode of the Black Case Diaries. Hey. What's up? You can't <laughs> believe it's still going. I know. <laughs> I know. They're like, when will it end? <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> what? Well, it's January, which means it feels like it's always winter and never Christmas. Yes. Oh. Yes. Do you love the bleakness of winter, but with yeah. none of the magic? May I present to you January. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bleak is the perfect word. Yeah. Especially yeah. lately, because the weather has just been bleak. Yes. Like, it hasn't, it, it hasn't been bitterly cold no. lately, but it's just been... Yeah. <sighs> it's been it's dark yeah. and... <laughs> And that's it. Yeah. It's Awful. sobering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This week, we're heading to the wardrobe to grab a look at the 2005 fantasy epic, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. Yay. Oh, oh man. Woo. Take one of those coats things. Yes. Those coats did look pretty They're good. Super warm. So yeah. cool. This highly ambitious live action film adapted the story of the four Pevensey children that discover a magical realm in the back of an old country wardrobe. The film was overall a box office success and led to two sequels. It's a great example of mid-2000s CGI, and it captured the imagination of audiences with its state-of-the-art effects. It also renewed interest in a beloved book series at a time when viewers were still hungry for high fantasy content after the mega-successful Lord of the Rings film franchise. It's one of those things that, looking back, you're, you know, it feels like, oh, there's plenty of fantasy. But really, there wasn't a lot. No, no yeah. To the level, yeah, to this level. So it, Yeah. So I'm glad that it exists. It's definitely a refreshing, different take, you yeah. know. So before we get into the episode, we want to remind you guys that we have a Patreon. Yay! Patreon.com slash Black Case Diaries, where you can get extended versions of all of our episodes. Including this one. Including yes. this very episode. All of yes. our mistakes. <laughs> well, no, the mistakes are still cut. <laughs> Fooled. Joke's on you. <laughs> but if you go over there for as little as $1 a month, you can get lots of extras as well as be supporting the show we would appreciate it very much and thank you for those of you who already are patrons thank Again, you yeah. patreon.com slash black case diaries and this month we're doing something very special we're doing our first ever live episode oh, event oh my yes. gosh it's gonna be really exciting it's on february 27th at 8 p.m est Yes. If you'd like to buy tickets. Yeah. You'll be yes. able to find tickets at blackcasediaries.com. You'll yes. be able to find yep. it right from there. You don't want to miss it. It's no. This is the first time we're doing anything <laughs> like it. It's the first time. It's the last time. No. <laughs> well, uh, that's to be determined. If you, if you don't want it to be the last time, then definitely go get a ticket yeah. and, and join us because it's going to be a blast. And if you can't make that date, you'll be able to watch it up to a week afterward. That's right. Yes. So so even if you can't make it live, you can still watch it. Yeah. You can go to blackcasediaries.com. There's a button right at the very top of the page that'll take you directly to the ticket checkout place. Yeah. All right. So Woo. definitely go check that out, please, and thank you. 
So, pull on your winter coat. It's time for tea with Mr. Tumnus in the Chronicles of Narnia. Yay! Mr. Tumnus, what a babe, right? (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, it's crazy because when I watched this for the first time, I was, my sister was like, he's so hot. And I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, really? He's got hooves. (laughs) She was like, I'm not talking about that. Oh my gosh. What do you guys think of the Chronicles, this movie specifically, the Chronicles of Narnia? You know, it was one of those movies that like back when it came out, it kind of like absorbed pop culture for a minute. Mm -hmm. It felt like it was really in everyone's face. I remember talking about it, hearing about it at school all the time. Yeah. And it was a really big deal on TV all the Mm -hmm. time. And then it... Like, had its sequels and kind of disappeared, right? Right, yeah. yeah. But I always looked back on this one with at least some fondness, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember liking that one. Aslan's cool. Yeah. I, rem- I remember it had a big influence on a very, like, one moment of prom that I'll bring up for you in a second. <laughs> do you remember what's okay. going on? Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> Super <laughs> weird. But But then watching it again for this episode, I was like, you know what? It is. Re- I'm. I'm remembering it correctly. Like it yeah. is yeah. good. I do remember it. Yeah. Being good, and it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a good movie. I. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the hype for it and this trailer, like this mm-hmm. teaser trailer. I saw this <laughs> so many times. Oh, yeah. Just like the beginning of this one, you know, it's like it's a big house yeah. with many rooms. And then Lucy pulls back the sheet, she, you know. And uh, she, which is a beautiful you know, shot. Yes, and they cut away from the wardrobe because they don't want you to see nope. it yet. <laughs> it's so cool, but then they, like, undercut it with <laughs> the most action-y music of all yes. time. So, like, the trailer ends and it's like, boom, 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 And it's like, and, and like, the hugest letters ever, Narnia, like, turns around on the screen. boom, boom, boom. I don't know. It had this like yeah. real Fanfare. impact yeah. to yep. it yeah. at was the time. One of the few movies that I got to watch. That's really <laughs> nice. Pretty yeah. much, you know, I got to Aww. watch it at home and stuff, yeah. and, and not be yelled at for watching it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, some fond memories with this one, you know. Yeah. You know. But real quick, just so to to relieve you of your wondering, the prom story, real quick. <laughs> yeah. It's short. Yeah. This was. The after prom like <laughs> jam place, right? It was like yeah. bowling or whatever. And bowling. we, it was time to leave and it was raining outside, but none of us had brought our coats inside mm-hmm. because we were all in like our prom clothes basically yeah. still, right? And it was pouring out. And I was one of the people who ran to the cars. I think Robin did too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe one or two other people. And when, when we decided to run to the car, I yelled out. <laughs> Like loud too. Yeah. For Narnia and for Aslan. Just like how they do just for Narnia. Peter and for Aslan. Just like that. And I'm like, where did that come from? Why of all the references I could have made, Chronicles of Narnia. We're just running to the car. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about the book. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was the first of seven books in a series called The Chronicles of Narnia. Clive Staples Lewis, better known as C.S. Lewis, 
released this children's fantasy novel in 1950. Since the first book's release, The Chronicles of Narnia has become one of the most influential and widely beloved children's series of all time. Even though there have been several TV and stage adaptations of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the story hadn't made it to the big screen until 2005. It took 55 years. Yeah, it's actually pretty amazing yeah. that it took that long. Lewis claimed that from the time he was 16, he started to envision a fawn walking through a snowy wood, carrying an umbrella and packages. By the time he was 40, he decided to sit down and write the story. It took him about a decade to put the story together. He struggled to complete it until he started having dreams about a lion, and he added the character Aslan, the creator of Narnia. Aslan is actually Turkish for lion. Ah, cute. Got him. Yeah. So, <laughs> if it weren't for Mr. Tumnus, there wouldn't be a story, yeah. I guess. There you go. It's very important. Ha! <laughs> Other parts of Lewis's life also influenced the story. During World War II, three children came to stay with him for a short time, just as the Pevensey children stayed with Professor Kirk. Kirk himself was based on Lewis's high school tutor. Lucy Pevensey was also based on Lewis's goddaughter, and the book was dedicated in her honor. Oh, that's cute. As he was writing The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Lewis was also in a writing group with J.R.R. Tolkien. Both men would become known for their fantasy writing, though they were critical of each other's stories. In fact, Lewis threw out the first version of the story because his colleagues and friends disliked it. Wow. So the first version of this was bad, I guess. Interesting. I wonder what yeah. the differences were. Yeah, bad enough that he just threw, threw it away. away. That, that takes a lot <laughs> yeah. to just like take all that time you spend on something and just be like, yes. nope, yep. get rid of it. Yeah. There is a lot of speculation as to why Tolkien didn't like the Chronicles of Narnia. Some believe it was because Tolkien was meticulous about his world building in The Lord of the Rings, while Lewis combined several different mythologies and fairy tales to create Narnia. Even Santa Claus makes an appearance in the series, which frankly feels a little strange. <laughs> I, <laughs> Just a little. Yeah. I'm going to be honest here. If that's the reason he didn't like it, I completely understand. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense to me because... Yeah, he liked it up until Santa showed yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're throwing together a lot of stuff here. There's a lot going on in Narnia. <laughs> the White Witch storyline borrows heavily from Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen as well. Narnia is known for its overt Christian themes. Lewis himself embraced many Christian and Catholic beliefs, although he never formally entered the Catholic Church. When Lewis first met Tolkien, he was not religious at all. Tolkien, a Catholic, influenced Lewis to become a Christian. Lewis explained that Aslan the Lion is a Christ-like character, just as many readers suspected. However, he vehemently denied that the Chronicles of Narnia was an allegory, but rather a supposal. He wanted to imagine what would happen if a fantastical realm like Narnia needed redemption, and who slash what their savior would be. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so one of the things about Narnia that you'll hear a lot is, mm -hmm. oh, wow, it's just so overtly Christian, or you'll hear mm -hmm. lots of Christian symbolism and that kind of thing. And Lewis had said a few things about this. Like, he, he did say, I didn't intend for it to be a religious story. Right. If you see that in it, like, that's great. And then other times he was like, well, I did. I mean, I, I was thinking that, but you don't yeah. have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, yes, but no. Yeah. So. And, and him and Tolkien, like, they would kind of just... You know, they were really critical of each other. You know, Lewis had said that the Lord of the Rings was too long and boring. 
you know, and all, all different stuff. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they, you, you know, Valid, I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, whatever. But, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, this is, it's kind of, it's it's like a kidified version of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, the the movie definitely feels like that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So mm-hmm. the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe had five sequels and one prequel. The Magician's Nephew explains the origins of Narnia and the White Witch. Even though the book was written sixth in the series, it is chronologically the first book, and many box sets place it first. So you'll find copies of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, and it'll have a two on it. Yeah. That's, that's strange. <laughs> in the 2005 film, based on The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the story of the magician's nephew is inscribed on the wardrobe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's super cool. It is. It's really cool. I will say this. I loved The Magician's Nephew. Mm-hmm. I love origin stories, so I loved this book. I think I thought it was really cool. It explains a lot of stuff. Yeah. If you have questions about Narnia, <laughs> it clears some things up for sure. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, so there, there is that because it talks about you know the building of Narnia, how the White Witch got there. Yeah. You know, I think it's kind of funny because <laughs> a, a large part of it is about rings. Um, oh boy! Yeah. Magical rings that transport magical you different rings, places. Huh? And Adam, I want to say, because you didn't read The Magician's Nephew, right? No. So in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, they're staying at the professor's house. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the movie, they come out of the wardrobe, and he's like, what were you doing in there? And they were like, you wouldn't believe us. And he's like, try me. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the final scene of the movie. And what happened was the professor that... The, the house they stay in, mm-hmm. he went to Narnia many, many years ago when mm-hmm. he was a boy. And that is the story of the magician's nephew. Yeah. When he was there, he went and got an apple for his mother, who was sick. I see. I he see. came back. He planted the apple, grew a tree, mm-hmm. tree cut down, built the wardrobe from mm-hmm. the tree. That is why the tree, that's why the wardrobe leads you to Narnia. Is a Yes. Very cool. Yes. Yeah. Which there's also a, if you, it's very brief, but on the professor's desk, there's a silver apple mm-hmm. also kind of signifying that apple that he brought Interesting. Back. That yeah. is, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and also when they built the wardrobe for the movie, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. used a wood that was similar to apple wood so that it would look. Yeah. Very similar. Pretty yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. M- makes the uh, professor character even better. Yes. Because he's yeah. already pretty great. And yeah. that's why And that's why he does that at the end. That's yeah. why there's that idea, that feeling that like he, he, knows, he knows exactly what they he were knows. doing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. For those of you out there who haven't seen this movie, we recommend you give it a try. Yeah, it's, it's on Disney Plus. Yeah, streaming in a few places actually. And mm-hmm. there, you can also go get a DVD somewhere, I imagine. Yeah. Or the library. And the library. Yeah. <laughs> but here is a summary for you. During World War II, the Pevensey children are sent away by their mother to be safe from the London Blitz. Peter, Susan, Edmund, and the youngest, Lucy, are sent to live in the countryside with Professor Kirk. In the professor's home, they find a magical wardrobe that brings them to the land of Narnia. Here, the siblings must fulfill the prophecy by defeating the White Witch in battle with the help of Aslan, 
the creator and one true king of Narnia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with these kinds of stories when I was a kid. I love mm-hmm. magic portal stories. Yes. You know, I would go around old houses. I'd visit a relative. <laughs> and I would go around and <laughs> I would- Open all those I would, strange yes, doors. Yeah, I would see a door and I would like walk over slowly to it. Like I would pretend that I was in a movie like this. You know, when I was going to enter some sort of portal. Yeah. I love yeah. stories like that. Oh, my like gosh. That. <laughs> at, at my grandma's old house, there was a door, like a like a tiny door. Like, you know. Oh. Oh, like maybe Corley. About, okay. And I had never, ever known what was in there. Yeah. But I always had the thought, like, where does that door go? Yeah. Right? What's yeah. in there? And then I believe it's... I. Remember, I think yeah. it's just like a storage. Yeah. It's a good thing you didn't look. space or something. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, what a letdown. Yeah. Right? It would have yeah. been <laughs> just like a, dark. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a little crawl like, space crawl storage space. room or whatever. Yeah. But, you know. The possibilities were the endless. Possibilities. As long as the door is closed, yeah. Yeah, it, there's I, a magical portal. I call there. it Schrodinger's Narnia. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's both there and not there until you look. Yeah. I, it, it, that feeling is, is portrayed pretty well in this yeah. movie, in this whole story. So as we usually do, we're going to talk about the making of, which is everyone's favorite bit. <laughs> we don't know if it is. Yeah. We just imagine. We, we like to yeah. joke about it we, being the best. We Assuming. like to imagine that people yeah. like that because it's like usually 80% of our episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. so if you're listening, you probably do. Yeah. The Chronicles of Narnia series is some of the best-selling children's books of all time. So it was only a matter of time before the story would be adapted to the big screen. The film, like many in Hollywood, took on a few different forms until it became the version that we know today. Originally, the rights to the story were owned by Paramount and not Walden Media. Paramount's version was to be set in the modern-day United States instead of 1940s England, which would have been a major change to the story. I... Kind yeah. of ridiculous, yeah. too. That is a bad idea. Yeah. Yes. Like, you know, sometimes I'm like, I'll give it a chance. That is not a good idea. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> no. Taking it out of its country yeah. of origin, taking it away yeah. from... Why? I know. Mm-hmm. Don't Plus, do that. the U.S. isn't that magical. Dude, it, nothing <laughs> I mean, not magic happens here, yeah. okay? But honestly... Well, <laughs> C.S. Lewis's estate reportedly disliked the idea, and this version of the story never came to be. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. When Walden Media picked up the project, a screenplay was crafted by Ann Peacock, Andrew Adamson, and Christopher Marcus. Andrew Adamson was chosen to direct the project, although there have been reports that Guillermo del Toro was asked first and declined. Yeah, there Whoa. are a couple things about this that I've heard and I've read. I, I found lots of articles like Guillermo del Toro turned down the Chronicles of Narnia. Because of its Christian themes. Oh. And it, he's not Christian oh, and he didn't want to yeah. do that. Hmm. And other places were like, well, he was filming Pan's Labyrinth. He just didn't yeah. have yeah. time <laughs> to do it. <laughs> so honestly, it sounds like somebody might have just made it up for headlines. Yeah, like, it might have just been made up. Might have yeah. been, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Adamson's vision was very faithful to the source material setting the film in the UK during the London Blitz. The writers made a few creative changes, like starting the film with the bombing of London to wake up the audience. Actually, I while watching it, mm-hmm. both Ariel and I were like, whoa, don't remember this part. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's just, 
it just starts out so strong. Yeah. yeah, it's mm-hmm. like a war movie in the mm-hmm. beginning, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's a Disneyfied war movie. Oh, of course, but, of course. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's still like it. it you're kind of surprised, right? <laughs> you're like, 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 did I put the wrong movie? Yeah, <laughs> you're like, where's the house and the kids in it and yeah. the wardrobe? Isn't there some some lions supposed to be in yeah. this or something? <laughs> <laughs> Another difference between the book and the film is that Aslan is resurrected during the climactic battle sequence instead of before. This was to add more dramatic tension to the story. You know, it was a really smart choice for film, but it made me as a viewer very frustrated. Right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, because watching this battle sequence and watching people die and Susan and Lucy are just crying over (laughs) a dead body Mm -hmm. that they don't think is going to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And like... And they could have been so useful in that battle. Yeah. Right. And who they just met. Yes. Too, yeah. Yes. Which is another thing because, you know, they, sure, they were like led to believe that Aslan was this great leader and, right. you know, this whole yeah. thing. The beavers were talking about big time. But they only just met him like the day before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're super upset about it. Yeah. I mean, they're so upset that he, like, died at basically midnight, Mm -hmm. and now it's, like, three o'clock in the afternoon, and all of of their armies are, like, dying over there. People are getting, like, sliced in half, Mm -hmm. and they're just, like, crying over the dead body, and it's like, hey, Susan? (laughs) Susan, I think your arrows could have been really helpful. Yeah. The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was filmed mostly in New Zealand, with scenes in the UK and the Czech Republic. New Zealand was the home country of Andrew Adamson and coincidentally held the filming locations for the Lord of the Rings franchise. Because of this, the crews were careful to make the sets look as separate from the Lord of the Rings so that no comparison would be made. They said any comparison was, like, wrong. Um. (laughs) Completely (laughs) accidental. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then maybe... You should have done some different shots. <laughs> Did you still see it? There, there were, there was like one or two, especially when they were like walking. Yeah, were, yeah. Any movie where people are walking, a fantasy movie where yeah. people are walking in New Zealand is gonna look like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like you yeah. can't really. Yeah. yeah. What, I mean, what else is it gonna look yeah. like? Yeah, especially when you have the zoom out, like yeah. you know, from Cause far above. Because I, yeah. I saw that shot and I said, "Oh, babe, Babby's first Lord of the Rings." <laughs> When Lucy first sets foot into Narnia, she walks through three sets. One is the wardrobe in the country house, then the larger wardrobe built for the crew to capture her walking through the coats, and then the set of the Narnian forest. The forest was actually built in a horse barn. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the crew had to dig several feet down to make the space bigger. Beyond the initial forest, Lucy and Mr. Tumnus walk through the Czech Republic before arriving at his house for tea. They travel fairly far, I'd say. Oh yeah. They're in a horse boat barn, yeah. and then they're in the Czech Republic, and then they're and then, back in New Zealand yeah. again. That's <laughs> freaking <wild>. crazy. <laughs> that's wild. Editing is magic. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you'd never know. No, yes. exactly. That they were in any different place at all. And, mm-hmm. and when they were in the Czech Republic, right, it was negative 10 out. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he was only wearing pants. Like, and a scarf. Just fancy yeah, pants. pants and a scarf. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Speaking of Mr. Tumnus in that moment, though. Yeah. I, uh, I always think it's 
when you see him the first time and he's got his scarf on and everything, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, Mr. Thomas, got it. Yeah. And then when they get back to his place and you see him without the scarf, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> it's like seeing my cat without her collar on. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, it's he's like, naked ooh, now. you're naked now. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> he only had the scarf. Why uh, is it now weird? I don't know. It yeah. is actually kind of funny just, when you I think about it. I can't help the feeling. Yeah. He, he, it's like he is kind of naked, right? Yeah. Because like. He's not wearing pants. He's wear- those are just his legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's it's, that's a good point. But, yeah, but that's, so he literally does always yeah. just wear a scarf. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's understandable though because yeah. that's what fawns are yeah, and are. do, right? Yeah, but yeah. but I just for some reason can't help but feel like he's actually naked once the scarf is gone. Yeah, yeah. Like, interesting. I don't get it. <laughs> the film was shot in almost chronological order, which is pretty rare for film productions. Because it was done this way, the actors were able to grow up with the film. This worked especially well with William Mosley, who played Peter Pevensey. Audiences can see a change in his physical appearance from beginning to end, symbolizing his growth as a character. The film came out in 2005, which was an interesting time for CGI and major motion pictures. Many big-budget movies at the time were moving away from practical effects, because computer graphics were becoming more accessible. The Chronicles of Narnia still made use of hand-built sets, with the biggest exception being the professor's house. The exterior was CGI, while the interior was a soundstage. I'm surprised by Mm -hmm. that, actually, because Mm -hmm. I didn't... You didn't notice, right? Yeah, the outside of the house didn't seem weird, because... I know there was only like one or two shots of the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a lot of times you can pick out CGI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was I, pretty good. I felt like this whole movie to me mm-hmm. had a CGI gloss on it. I guess just because like the mindset I had was that like mm-hmm. everything is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, a lot of it is. Yeah. So, so I think it yeah. was just like, I. it wasn't like it looked bad. It was no. just right. like, it was like yeah. there was just this gloss. They, mm-hmm. they did a lot more blending. Like they, yeah. we'll talk about it a little bit later, but they had some CGI wolves and some... You know, oh, live yeah. wolves. So right. they really did a lot of blending yeah. and you know switching back and forth between practical and CGI. Mm-hmm. So and sometimes that can make it more noticeable, and sometimes not. <laughs> so <laughs> most of the animals that the children encounter in the film are also computer generated. During filming, Aslan the lion was mostly played by an unmoving lion head with an actor reading lines. The character is fairly stylized, and his design doesn't try to replicate a real lion. Yeah, I imagine that it was probably difficult for the kids to have emotional scenes with Aslan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it was just like a head. <laughs> right. I will say this, though, about his like finished character. Mm-hmm. It holds up yeah. mm-hmm. pretty dang well. Mm-hmm. Despite it, you know, clearly being CG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but at least he like emotes yes yes see i took thing about aslan is that i think the reason he holds up is because he's stylized yeah mm-hmm. he's not he doesn't it's look not he, meant to be they're not trying perfectly... to make him look like an actual lion yeah, yeah. so like you could see he's got facial expressions and mm-hmm. like you can see how he's feeling based on yeah. you know yeah and i mean it would make sense he's a magical lion mm-hmm. he's yeah. not like a regular one exactly so so it doesn't um, fall too hard into that uncanny valley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's no other lions in the movie at all. Yeah. So there's nothing to like compare him to. Yeah. Andrew Adamson wanted all the animals to be portrayed first and foremost as animals, 
that happened to be able to talk. Whenever possible, real animals were used in the film, like the mice that bite through Aslan's restraints and the white witch's wolves. Special effects artists did have to use CGI to make the wolves look angry because they kept wagging their tails while filming. Oh, <laughs> cuties. I know. Yeah, they were just so excited. Oh, Such sweethearts. That is cute. <laughs> as much as, you know, uh, the wolves being bad guys and doing mm-hmm. bad things, mm-hmm. I can't help but kind of like the leader one. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, he is kind of <laughs> cool. To be honest, I, he, you know, I don't know. His voice, whoever does his voice is great. Yeah. And I don't know. Something about him just seems cool. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, why did you just jump at it? Why did you just like lunge at Peter with the sword? Yeah. Out? yeah. I'm like, you know, come on. That's one of those scenes where it's like, I would not trust Aslan if I was one of the kids. Where it's like, yeah. Aslan's there. Oh, yeah. And uh, Peter's fighting off these wolves. And uh, the guys, the centaur is like, I'm going to help. And Aslan goes, no, no, this is Peter's fight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Peter just, all he ha- yeah. he doesn't know how to use the sword. He yeah. was just given the sword. I was like, man, if Peter died it- here, that would have made Aslan look really bad. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. That's true. His yeah. thought process had to have been something like, yeah. well, war is tomorrow. So yeah. uh, he's got to, yeah. 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 It, it's very interesting because there's this, like, these kids should not grow up. They should stay childish yes. and, mm. and you know, believe in magic. But then there's also this, like, you should grow up and be able to kill somebody. Yeah. yeah. So it's, like, yeah, this, um, yeah don't, don't forget to, you got to always believe in magic and believe yes. in Santa Claus and, and, and stay a child and hold mm. on to that faith. But also... Just cut a bitch. Just cut him. <laughs> cut him hard. You know, kill him. They don't. They don't deserve to live. Don't, just forget about that guy. Just kill him. Just cut him. <laughs> yep. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it, you, sometimes you just gotta <laughs> cut a bitch. That's I mean, it. <laughs> I mean, even Lucy's given a little oh dagger. She doesn't she use is. it, but yeah, she's, she's like, given it. Here's, let's give the eight-year-old a dagger. The child. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Oh. So there you go. <laughs> just make sure when you kill somebody that you're doing it with imagination. <laughs> Andrew Adamson and his team spent a year and a half looking for actors to portray the Pevensey siblings. Pippa Hall, the wonderful casting director, scoured schools and theater groups. In total, Adamson and his team saw about 2,500 kids on tape and approximately 800 in person. When they got to 400, they workshopped them and found Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. That's too many kids, man. I just, after like 20, I'd be like, "Mm, You'll do. Let's just pick one of these. (laughs) You guys guys work relatively good. You you could be a family. It's okay. I can't imagine watching so many kids read the same lines. I'd be so over it so fast. God. In order to know that the four would work together well as a family, they did not offer the job to them separately. They were all hired on the same day. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was a concern that over the course of production, the four children would grow up too fast. (laughs) That's what happens when you give a kid a knife. Yep. This is why the film was shot in chronological order, because it subtly suggests that Narnia has changed them. William Mosley, who plays Peter, becomes a great leader and knight and is eventually crowned King of Narnia. Peter the Magnificent, yeah. if I'm 
if I'm correct. Yes. <laughs> I believe you are. Yeah. <laughs> the magnificent. We got it's it. just like, oh, well, can he, is he just king alone? I mean, I mean, he might as well be. I you know, really but... just shot down the other three <laughs> yeah. after that. The other ones is like, like well, Susan, she's nice. And, and, uh, Edmund. Edmund. He's, he's telling the truth now. Yeah. He's, he's just... Edmund. He's, yeah, he's just, he's Edmund. just Edmund. <laughs> and so Edmund the just. Okay, we got it. Uh. Oh, how I wish that was what it meant. Oh. And uh, but but Peter, he's magnificent. He's magnificent. <laughs> Look at that yeah. magnificent guy. I'll follow him to my death. <laughs> to the great western wood, King Edmund the just. To the radiant southern sun. Queen Susan, the gentle. And to the clear northern sky, I give you King Peter, the Magnificent. Anna Popplewell, who plays Susan, is crowned Susan the Gentle and believes more in magic. According to IMDb, Skander Keynes, who played Edmund, grew six and a half inches over the course of the movie, and needed his armor altered weekly. Holy cow, Ooh. dude! Yeah, Poor kid. he was going through puberty. Yeah, didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he ask the White Witch to make him taller? <laughs> That's, That's right. true. He did. It's like, oh, I give you whatever you want. Can you make me taller? <laughs> Maybe that was a subtle joke. Whoa! Hey, there you go. Georgie Henley is the sweet youngest Lucy Pevensey. Georgie made friends with everyone on set, but had a great friendship during filming with James McAvoy, who plays Mr. Tumnus. Really translated to the screen. I was yeah, gonna say their friendship yeah. is really nice. Yeah, the yeah. way they obviously are, are buddies in real mm-hmm. life when you watch it on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Adamson said that when he saw them do this scene, he was like, Okay, this movie is gonna work. Like Yeah. yeah. It's, gonna, <laughs> like, it's gonna work. This now. Is, yeah, this is good. Yeah. And it you know, they became such good friends that later on when Georgie sees James McCavill like you know frozen. Yeah, she's able to cry so easily because she can picture like it's you know it's her friend. Tilda Swinton is the controlling white witch. Adamson decided that inconsistency and emotional distance is the scariest thing for kids. This prompted Tilda to play the witch in a way that was unpredictable. She was purposely kept away from Edmund at first so that they didn't form an emotional bond in the beginning. So a lot of a lot of emotional manipulation on and off screen here with yeah. uh, Edmund. Absolutely, yeah. I really felt bad for Edmund yeah. watching it when I was a kid. It was like, why is he doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, oh, Edmund, yeah. you fool. Yeah, I didn't yep. understand it when mm-hmm. when I was a kid, and watching it as an adult, I'm like, this poor kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This sucks. Like that is I mean, honestly, she's so awful to him. Yeah. And she does, you know, she does the love bombing and yes, she does. like someone shows him the tiniest bit of attention and mm-hmm. of course he goes he falls for it. For it yeah. And then yeah. like he wants to please her so badly. Yeah. That, you know, like it, yeah. even when even when she's being awful to him and beating him and all of this stuff, like mm-hmm. all he wants is for her to be pleased. Yeah, he still is like, oh, yeah. the, they're with the beavers. They were headed yes. north mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. Yeah. Like he's giving them all this information yeah. in the dungeon. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, Edmund, my guy. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Aww. Yeah. 
it's it's very sad actually it is it's very it sad is. to watch yeah yeah because yeah. she she met every desire almost mm-hmm. when they first met so it was like yeah. oh my gosh finally yeah somebody cares I mean, obviously the mother cares. Yeah. But it wasn't the bombs are falling. We need to move. Yeah. Kind mm-hmm. of mode, right? And it didn't. Yeah. Obviously, affection can wait. Mm-hmm. It had probably been going on for a while. Plus, he's worried about dad being away for war, yeah. and it's just mm-hmm. this whole thing that nobody's really, you know, dealing with. Yeah. yeah. It's just kind of left to rot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's why it's so easy for the white witch to manipulate him because it's the that's exactly what he needed mm-hmm. is this kind of affection. So. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's sad. Yeah. Jim Broadbent is the kind-hearted Professor Kirk that takes the children into his home. Broadbent was only on set for a relatively short time, but his character and what he did was significant. Adamson said that as Broadbent put on his costume, he just slowly turned into the character. He was also good-natured because near the end of the movie, when he was throwing the cricket ball to William Mosley, he ended up hitting Scander at one point by accident. Instead of apologizing, he pointed and laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Jim Broadbent is very funny. Yeah, he's a funny guy. I love Jim Broadbent. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a thing he would do, too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Liam Neeson voices Aslan, the creator. Originally, the part was given to Brian Cox. After Brian recorded a bit in the studio, Adamson realized that the voice was not quite right in a Scottish accent. All right, now we're going to talk a little bit about the music of this movie. Music! It's very nice. The music was composed by Harry Gregson Williams. Before film composing, he spent years teaching music in Africa and Egypt. After being inspired by Hans Zimmer, He discovered that composing was a career that was achievable and fun. He composed a lot of children's films. Adamson specifically asked for Harry after working with him on Shrek and Shrek 2. Harry would sequence his music up on computers so that Adamson could hear what it would sound like. This allowed Adamson to quickly know how it would work and give notes if he wanted slight changes. Chronicles of Narnia is very much held up by the music that flows throughout the movie. The music in the second act holds a sense of excitement and fantasy as the children discover Narnia. It's like one of those over-the-rainbow moments, right? With uh, the Wizard of Oz, they go through and they're Mm. like, what? Yeah. What is this? (laughs) Yeah. Harry gave the Pevensey children as a whole a motif, as well as Aslan, Tumnus, the White Witch, and the Prophecy. The score makes use of the standard instruments in an orchestra. It also included different elements like a flute for the Tumnus scene or large drums in the sacrifice of Aslan. Yeah. Yeah, it has specific sounds for specific moments. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty cool because yeah. it makes them memorable. During the scene when Tumnus plays the flute to have Lucy fall asleep, James had been fiddling with it for a couple of days and it just had regular whistles coming out of it. Yep. Yep. Probably. probably. Yeah. (laughs) Basic noises. Hilarious. Harry Gregson Williams, in the meantime, was working on the music. So when they shot the scene, the actors heard the actual music that would play in the film. This startled Georgie after expecting to hear random flute sounds. Yeah, like (laughs) you imagine practicing, and every time they practice, it's like. 
you know, and yeah, it's just whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, like, she sits down, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like yeah. it's very like <laughs> really nice. mystical, magical. And she's just like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you're magic, dude. How did you do that? Yeah. You know, this is the one part of the movie that just makes me feel a little bit like, ooh, I'm creeped. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, oh no, Tumnus is a bad guy. <laughs> you it's, know, it's, it's so weird. Because it it feels so wrong. Like yeah. he's friends with her, and he leads her back there, and then he like yeah. puts her to sleep. Yeah. There's just so many things about it that's like triggering. Like yeah. you just don't, yeah. you do not like any of it. When editing the shot and the music, Harry changed the composition slightly to match the hand movements that James did while playing the flute. So it actually looked like he was playing. Yeah, yeah. they did a great job because yeah. it it. I mean, I buy it. Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. So reception. How was this one received? Let's see. I remember well, it being pretty well. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 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 This was the movie everyone went to go see on Christmas. That year. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was made with a budget of $180 million and earned an impressive $745 million worldwide. That's a lot of money. Holy That's crap. That's a chunk That's... of change for yeah. sure. Yeah. In 2005, it was the 55th highest-grossing film of all time, and it is still the highest-grossing movie of the Narnia franchise. Yeah, they were never able. I they were never able to replicate no. the hype, and it, <laughs> and it had such a different fantasy feeling to it mm-hmm. yeah. than what already existed. Yeah, I remember the poster, and I believe it's also the DVD cover. It's you know it says Chronicles of Narnia. You have all these characters below, and then like the mm-hmm. f- the face of Aslan kind of up in the yes. sky, and it's like yeah, very iconic looking. And I remember that vividly, just being everywhere. Yeah, and it's just like wow, what is that movie? You know, <laughs> yeah. so you get that feeling. Yeah, but yeah, they couldn't do it again. Nope, lightning in a bottle. Yeah, <laughs> the movie has a certified fresh rating. And is at 75% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7 out of 10 on IMDb. The consensus among critics is that with some great special effects and a compelling story that remains pretty faithful to the source material, it will please moviegoers everywhere. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe won many awards, including the Academy Award for Best Makeup. Some other awards are two Saturn Awards for Best Costume Design and Makeup, a Costume Designers Guild Award for Best Fantasy Film, and a BAFTA Award for Hair and Makeup. So they really nice. liked the way it looked. Yeah. It, like they it really did look really good. styled yeah, up did. these characters mm-hmm. because all of the fantasy creatures, like the yeah. fawns, the satyrs, the minotaur, mm-hmm. those looked great. Yeah. And all of the costumes, the makeup that they mm-hmm. needed, because... You know, both makeup and costume when they were in like armor and stuff. Yeah, yeah, all of it and really good. Like the, you know, Mr. Tumnus like wearing the prosthetic Absolutely, nose. Absolutely, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it looked really good. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The DVD was released in 2006 with one disc with both full screen and widescreen options. You guys remember that? Remember when everything came with a <laughs> yeah. widescreen, yep. with a yeah. full screen and a widescreen? Yep. <laughs> yeah, because they don't know what TV you've got. Then, in December of the same year, a four-disc extended version was released. This version runs about 150 minutes and includes longer establishing shots of Narnia and footage of the Pevensey's travels. 
The two additional discs include a segment called The Dreamer of Narnia, which was a previously unreleased feature-length film about C.S. Lewis, as well as some production featurettes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, here are some fun facts about the movie. Oh, the funnest Yay! facts. It's time do, for do. fun facts. <laughs> we, yes. Where are the jingles at? Uh, yeah, we'd be yeah. like, it's like this would, this would be like a guitar riff because it's the cool part. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Adamson was doing a press junket for his movie Shrek 2. What? The masterpiece. And Rupert Everett, who voices Prince Charming in the second and third Shrek, asked why he was not in Narnia. So Adamson gave him the only voice left. Which was the voice of the fox. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> shoot. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I'll be a fox. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sounds good. In. Sounds good. Just, just get me in there. I want to be in it. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely. good. I liked the fox's voice, too. Yeah. yeah. It, it matched well. great job. Yeah. The white witch was originally going to have dark hair, but the children of the makeup supervisor visited the set and thought that she would look better blonde. Ultimately, he agreed and thought the dark hair would look too gothic. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I know other iterations of the witch mm-hmm. have the dark hair. Yeah. I believe yeah. in the BBC version she yeah. has, yes. and in some old illustrations yeah. from the book. Yeah. So it's like, huh? Yeah. It's a- yeah. I loved how at the end, because she, you know, they shaved Aslan, and she put his mane on. Her, so it's like around her shoulders, it's like a shawl for her. Um, and her hair just like kind of blends into it. Yes, it's like she has this whole big mane starting from the top of her head. Yeah, so it looks really good. I I also really like one detail kind of related as the movie goes on, her crown Mm -hmm. gets smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. You notice that as her power goes away, because when she meets as Edmund for the first time. She's got this huge yeah. ice crown, right? Yeah. But then as the movie goes on, you see her with less and less ice on her head. And I by the end of it, it's just that. little spikes. And then if you notice in the battle, she's yes. got a helmet on. Yes. So it's like the crown's Which gone. I thought the the crown, like the uh, battle one, looked mm-hmm. like the skull of a lion. I think it was very I think reminiscent. So too. I of think it. it was meant to invoke like, that. At least for sure. give some vibes of it. Yeah, especially also because it was gold, yes. which is a color mm-hmm. she's never, never she never has on except yeah. for the battle. Mm-hmm. Georgie Henley had been kept from seeing Narnia and Mister Tumnus, so when she sees them for the first time in the movie, her reaction is genuine. They blindfolded her. Yeah. Yeah. And stuck her in that forest thing. Yes. They blindfolded her for the for the the practices, the rehearsals. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, that's really her her reaction walking through. As silly as it is that the blindfold her for things like that, Mm -hmm. I do kind of like when movies do that stuff. Yeah. Because genuine reactions are always really cool. Yeah. Yeah. The filmmakers planned to ship in 12 reindeer to attach to the White Witch's sleigh. However, the Ministry of Agriculture and Forestry in New Zealand refused to grant permission, stating the deer posed too much risk for the native wildlife. There was a flu going around. Yeah. I think with the that, deer. That apparently did not affect the deer, but would affect any livestock they came into contact with. Right, yeah. if they had been carrying it, yeah. it would have yep. been real bad. 
I think they said that they would they would shoot the reindeer. Yeah. They told them if you bring the reindeer over here, mm-hmm. we will shoot it. Yeah. We will on yeah. site. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah. Do not do it. Yeah, yeah. We are not messing around. Yeah. <laughs> During the air raid sequence, the photo of the Pevensey's father, which Edmund risks his life to retrieve, is actually the real life portrait of editor Sim Evan Jones's father. Oh wow. That's yeah. cool that they that is really cool. Doctor one there. up. They yeah. Just, yeah. That is cool. Yeah. And then later on, when they go back and they see that Mr. Tumnus's place is trashed, yeah, mm-hmm. and that Mr. Tumnus is gone, you see the portrait of his father on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's supposed to be a callback. Yeah. Very and Edmund steps on it, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh. Mm-hmm. The movie had two fake working titles in order to keep it a secret while in production. They were The Hundred Year Winter and Paravel. Oh. Yeah, kind of interesting, but we that talked about cool. we talked about it earlier, mm-hmm. how it was kind of this weird little secret, nobody knew what was going on yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And then it just exploded onto the scene, right? Yes. Anytime Georgie heard anyone on set swear, she demanded that they put $2 in a potty mouth bucket. Uh, yeah. Aw, there's all these adults walking around on production. Yep, and dropping they, things. Yep. Yeah. And they said she had ears like no, like they were oh, like, and really. Catch them. You could be across the room and she'd be like, two dollars, two dollars. Wow, that's hilarious. <laughs> Cleaning up the streets, Lucy. Yep. Great job. Oh man. <laughs> All right, do you guys have any uh, last thoughts about this movie? This is a really sweet movie. I really enjoyed it a lot as an adult. Yeah. And I do remember watching it as a kid and being really swept up in the story, and I read the books because of the movie. Mm. I don't think I would have read them otherwise. Yeah. I didn't really know about them, (laughs) you know? And I, yeah, I definitely think that it's a really fun fantasy movie for kids to watch. and. (laughs) honestly it feels like a kid could make it up you know like you know like it's a kid's imagination yeah the concept is fantastic yes i love the concept of narnia Mm -hmm. i love the idea of the world being in a wardrobe i think all that is amazing and i love stories like that i love magic portal stories Mm -hmm. and i pretended that there were worlds and closets and stuff when i was a kid yeah (laughs) And yeah, so absolutely, I love that. Yeah. And so yeah, there's a really nice, timeless appeal to it, even though it's very firmly 1940s. But yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and there's things about it too that I think educated a lot of American kids. Like you know, oh, yeah. we're not familiar with the idea of living with someone in the country because your your country's being bombed. Yeah. Like that's not something that yeah. like we you know and, what I mean. And with somebody you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> with a with a stranger. A like stranger. Yeah. I think it's just such an interesting thing that you know, us as American kids, we didn't really learn about that yeah. aspect of the war yeah. when we were in school. So it was something that is a little more we're learning a bit more and there's a more of a perspective mm-hmm. on that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's really I mean, I like it. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It it has a lot of not, I don't want to say childish, mm-hmm. but aspects that, that, like you kind of said, they could come from the mind of a child. It has mm-hmm. that kind of, yeah. th- you know, that magic to it, right? Yeah. And I really like a lot of little pieces of this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, the 
the beaver characters are great. <laughs> yeah, I love both of them. They're so funny and cute. I love both of them. They're very funny. And, you know, the the whole thing with Tumnus and how he has to deal with the witch alongside mm-hmm. Edmund and then, you know, unfortunately gets stonified. But yeah. um, and actually, now that I think about it, do you think they went back and unstoned the uh, fox who was just kind of in the middle of the woods? Aslan yeah, probably, probably unstoned everybody. I, I would yeah. hope so. But anyway, yeah. So, but the the fox is another character that you know short lived, but mm-hmm. but yeah, I really like, and so it has all these little pieces that come together as like a really enjoyable movie, and it's yeah. and I'm yeah. surprised that I liked it. I feel like you said as an adult liked it more this time, yeah, because I always yeah. liked it, but it's like now I relate to it mm-hmm. more. I understand Edmund's point of view yeah. more, yeah. And the whole thing kind of comes together stronger this time around. So yeah, it, it, absolutely. I really enjoy it. Yeah. And you have that little bit of a nostalgic feeling to it. Because, uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It came out, we were kids when it came out. And so, yeah. you know, we kind of remember seeing this and yeah. rereading the books and reading the books and, and stuff. And having like that. the hype. And- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of the best case scenario for a movie like this. You know, mm-hmm. you remember it finally as a kid, you watch it. You get it more, and it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. better. So it's like, you know, yeah. a win-win. I really wish they would have made a magician's nephew movie, though. Yes, you know, I loved that story. I I don't remember where I saw it, but I can't help but think, like, part of my mind remembers seeing whispers of, yeah, like a series or something, I, like yeah, something Netflix. new about Chronicles yeah. of Narnia. That's what happening. I heard. I yeah. heard Netflix, but I don't know if that's really. It's a... not really been confirmed. Yeah. I don't believe yet. Yeah, we'll see. But, so we'll find out, though. I mean, but in eventually... the meantime, this movie <laughs> yeah. still exists. Exactly. Yes. Please it. watch it. Yeah. The Chronicles of Narnia is the kind of story that inspires kids to read and made an immeasurable impact on children's literature and became one of the most treasured book series of all time. Its debut on the big screen was highly anticipated, and overall, it didn't disappoint. The film reminds us of how wonderful it is to imagine that even during the darkest times, we might be able to find magic and adventure in the most mundane places, like the back of a wardrobe. This series of Narnia films unfortunately fizzled out as interest waned over the years. but. This first entry reinvigorated an old story and introduced it to a new generation of children. And with a story as classic as this one, it's only a matter of time before the next retelling arrives on our screens. But until then, let this version transport you back to Narnia. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Okie dokie. So wholesome. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) I, I am interested to see what could happen in yeah. the future. Yeah. Even if, you know, whatever happens with Netflix, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. This, Something's got to come This back series around. still has potential left. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, it's another case closed. <laughs> Woo! There we go. Solid. It's pretty good. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's been a while. What do I even say at the end of these things? <laughs> Let's thank our patrons. All right. Yeah. Let's thank our patrons. John, JD, Anthony, Shelly, Bob, Jaren, Brad, and Jacob. Thank, thank you, guys. You. Thank, thank you, you so, guys much. so much. We really appreciate you. We thank anybody who does anything to support us by listening to us, telling a friend, 
sharing however you do it yeah. we, Thank we you really so much. appreciate it and please yeah. tune in for our moment yes yes please. so you can watch us <laughs> watch us be awkward You'll it, actually get to see us podcasting. Yeah, it'll yeah. at least be entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, yeah. If, if anything. That's right. Go Watch to, us fail. <laughs> no. Please go to blackcastdiaries.com. There is a button there that will link you to our live page that you can buy a ticket for Ooh. right now. And again, yes. it is on Monday, February 27th mm. at 8 p.m. EST. Yes. Or if you can't make that date, it will be available for a week after for you to watch. So please head on over there. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. Bye. 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 For Narnia. The Krana. What and cool is a Narnia? <laughs>